I'm welcoming into the reading corner today, uh, Jim Smith, who actually calls himself Waldo Pancake, I think. Can't imagine why. Uh, but Jim is the author and uh, illustrator of the Barry Loser books. Um, and we are celebrating today 10 years. I cannot believe that. 10 years of Barry Loser. Since then, you've gone on, of course, to win the 2013 Roald Dahl Prize and the 2017 Lollies, which are, are tremendous achievements. And I wanted to start a little bit um, with humour and ask you really what it is that makes you laugh and whether it's the same things that make the children laugh when you're there in school. Do they have the same humour as you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely, I think someone once said to me that um, I've got the brain of an eight-year-old. So I think part of me has kind of stopped at that age, humour-wise. Uh, so that my kid's eight now, and we do kind of laugh at the same sort of things. <laughs> Dog poo, farts, stuff like that. Uh, awkward situations, I think. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, as children get older, their humour becomes more linguistic. It's very much mm-hmm. about situation. Um, at the age that you're describing I know we're talking huge generalities here well I think kids because they're learning language they kind of play with it more mm. and there's more of a malleability with words and you kind of make mistakes and I think you get humor from that as well mm. quite a lot well we're going to be talking mainly about your latest book which is Barry Loser Total Winner um, it seems appropriate 10 years on that you sort of play around with some of the ideas from the old earlier books. And of course, the title is playing on that idea as well. When did you come up with the notion yeah. of having winner? In well, I don't know. It's um, yeah, it's probably like the most positive title I've had so far. I don't know. If, maybe I'm happier or <laughs> something to do with having my kids. The weird thing is I used to be the Barry Loser character. Now it's more like my kid is. And I don't know, seeing it from his perspective, everything is very positive. Uh, so maybe I'm making Barry into more of a positive character and That's... finally realising that he's not a loser, he's a winner. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to uh, just share with you um, on the screen PDF of the book because we can then talk about it as uh, we go through. You know, one of the things that really strikes you straight away is that I think of you as black and white line yeah. illustration and you've gone to full colour graphic novel here. Did you do your own colouring, by the way? Yeah, I did. I love it. I mean, you know, they say colouring in is quite therapeutic. I think it's true. I've been very happy doing these. It's just every day is like being at primary school or something. I'm drawing and colouring in. It's lovely. Um, what was the decision behind uh, making Barry Loser full colour for this book well it was my publisher's idea because suddenly graphic novels have become kind of an accepted thing in bookshops and I was actually quite reluctant at first I just thought I wasn't someone that read a lot of comics as a kid um so I was a bit nervous but as soon as I started doing it it just kind of slotted into place and it actually suits telling the stories a lot better I think 
And did you have to develop a colour palette for that? Because there has to be some consistency. I started off with his jumper, which is yellow. And I just love yellow. My front door's yellow on my house. And um, so there's a kind of a yellow theme going through it. And then, I mean, there's only so many colours, aren't there? So I just use them all. I go through the colours and once I've used them all, I start again. That's a really interesting thing. There are, <laughs> but there are so many variations of all yeah, of those colours. Yeah, there are. So it says right at the beginning that this is sort of based on the life of uh, yeah. Smith. I know it's a long time since you devised these characters, but tell us a little bit about what you remember of coming up with this well, set of friends. Barry is me, who's a kind of, well, he's obviously Barry Loser, so he's a bit of a loser, but he also thinks he's the greatest person in the world, which is a bit like me. Uh, his best friend, Bunky, is based on my friend Ben when I was a kid. He's, he's still one of my friends now. And he's where Barry's a bit of a warrior and an overthinker. Bunky's someone that just jumps in and does stuff. So Barry kind of thinks of him as his dog. So he's kind of like a dog person. Um, and then there's Nancy who's their other friend and she is she's similar to my wife she's kind of smart and um will kind of undercut barry and bunky because they're the idiots idiots, basically and she's not an (laughs) idiot you need characters don't you that really have these different qualities to make the humor work and also you're his nemesis, I'm just trying to Darren scroll. Darinowski. Yeah, here he is. Yeah, he's got a big round head and a little round body. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I do notice that he's drinking something that's definitely not Coca-Cola. <laughs> no, he's might a, look a bit like Coke. <laughs> Frankel Classic. Yes, Frankel Classic. Is, is what we have in this. That's book. what Darren Darinowski's obsessed with, yeah. Exactly. But I know you've got a bit of a thing about the branding on cans of Coke. Yeah. I collected Coke cans when I was a kid. I was completely obsessed with them. Uh, yeah, I would walk along the railways looking for old cans and climb under buildings. I've still, actually, the room I'm in now is full of my old Coke can collections. I think it was like a little piece of America that you could hold in your hand and kind of drink and consume. Mm. I was obsessed with America when I was a kid. I did want to talk a little bit before we go further into the book and look at some of the chapters and the episodes. I wanted to talk a bit about your cartooning heroes, because I've heard Mm. you talk about this before um, and where you see yourself in relation to those people, you know, who's really influenced you? Yeah, well, when I was, same time I was into Coke cans, I was into a cartoonist called Ralph Steadman, who was very splatty, kind of 1970s 80s artist it was the same as the coke thing really something about his images just grabbed me and then through him I got to know well I didn't get to know the work I got to know the work of Ronald Searle who's slightly generation before Ralph Steadman who was also very uh expressionistic cartoonist Mm. and then over the years I've I've got to love uh JJ Sempe who's a French cartoonist who's much more delicate but like hilariously observed little scenes of very small people in very large scenes. Oh, and Saul Steinberg, who's an Mm. American cartoonist, who's just so clever. And in terms of me compared to them, 
absolutely terrible compared to them <laughs> but um, I think there are elements of their stuff that I can sort of spot tell me taken. a little bit about that because when I think of Searle Steadman and also Gerald Scarf they're very pointy and yeah. flattery but they're, they're quite sharp they're yeah images I mean yeah Searle they're very did, bold images yeah yeah he did the um St Trinians didn't he yes Searle. yeah uh, um and Molesworth, I think he might have done as yeah, well. Yeah, very... who is a bit like Barry Loser, actually. Oh, okay. So maybe there's a connection there. Yeah. But yours are much more what I call roundy characters. I know. And I, I, if I, as a young kid, could see what I'm doing now, that kid would hate what I'm doing. But that's the thing with learning. You have to learn what your work is. It kind of tells you, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And over the years, it's just become this. And... I've just had to accept that because really I wanted to be this splatty artist, <laughs> but it's become this. And I do, I quite like my style, but it's very different to what I set out to be. But what's good about it, uh, or one of the things that's really good about it, is it's instantly recognizable. You know, the big it's noses. got its personality. Yes, well, noses yeah. feature quite a bit in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of reflects me. So, that's as good as you can get, really, isn't it? Let's have a look at some of the stories in the book. And I'll ask you to tell us about it. And we'll stop and pause and look at some of the illustration as well. So the first episode, uh, they're called mm. episodes, not chapters. Yeah. Um, it's all show. about a birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's called Unhappy B-Day. And actually, this idea came from my son, who's called Woody. And his two best friends had birthdays close together. So they had a joint birthday party. And I always remember my kid finding out and saying, my heart is broken. (laughs) And I just thought, while feeling sorry for him, I thought, well, there's a story there. Because if it gets that much emotion, because that's what you're looking for in a story is emotion. So it's all about Barry's two best friends having a joint birthday party. So I think Barry tries to scupper it for a bit. That doesn't work. Then he does his usual sort of storm off and abandons them as friends. And then in the end, finds out that actually they weren't trying to hurt him. It was all in his head. And um, I think he finds a way to kind of make it partly his birthday party as well in the end. Yeah. It's a classic Barry Loser arc of making a problem bigger off his own back, really. He's the one that suffers from his actions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Um, it does feature a lot of spiders in this. Yeah. And uh, I just want to talk about some of the uh, decisions that you made with drawing that I really mm. love. So um, there's one where he doesn't like spiders, Barry Loser. Yeah. And uh, I love this idea where suddenly you go into his head. You don't need the words and you to yeah. explain what he's thinking here. You've just done it with imagery. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's one of the things I found with doing a, a comic strip rather than actually writing the book is that what would take a whole page to describe in words, you can just do in one drawing, mm-hmm. which is just such a revelation for me. So they've asked him if he likes spiders and in his, his kind of face is replaced by what is essentially a cutaway. You see into his brain. Mm. Again, there's like silhouettes of an elephant, a cat, a dog, a rabbit, a duck. Mm. And he's just thinking of all the options. That's actually quite a complex thing to do, isn't it? To show the cutaway. and uh, Yeah, I, I mean, it that. shouldn't work, should it? But it 
it works in a split second. Yeah. And the use of silhouettes also is, it's a very good direct um, symbol. Mm. And that's something you should think about when designing a cartoon character is their silhouette. That's one of the reasons I gave mine big noses because you just see them straight away just from a silhouette and you can tell who they are. I wanted to pick up something else in this story as well, which I thought was amazing. There's a little bit where he shouts, no. (laughs) And I wanted you to tell us about that. Well, it's when um, he finally finds out that they're having this joint birthday party and he does the kind of Hollywood action movie trope of no. And um, it kind of scans back from him and it gets further and further away from him. And he's keeping on saying, no. And you go back further, you see the town he's in with a speech bubble saying, no. Then it shows the planet Earth with the speech bubble. Then it shows the solar system with all the other planets. Then it shows the Milky Way still with the speech bubble coming out of it. Then you're in the universe and then you're, you see the kind of edge of the universe it goes back further and you see it's a kind of a a body of something being held by something else. And finally, you see three-eyed alien holding this sort of plastic toy, which contains our whole universe in it. And the speech bubbles coming out of the plastic toy's belly saying, no. So it ends up that we're inside this alien's plastic toy. And I don't know, I, just, I always think whenever something bad happens to me, I think, well, it's not that bad, is it? We're in this, I'm just this tiny dot in the middle of this huge universe. I love this on so many levels. I loved it because it genuinely surprised me. Oh, good. Um, but I'm also interested in a couple of other things that are going on here. One is that um, although it's a visual medium, you really get the auditory sense. I know the tone because it is a trope, as you've said. I know that there's an echo going on there. I can hear that in my head reading it. And also this playing around with time because um, this is one moment and it's stretched over several pages. And yet in other places, you're trying to compress a lot into one one moment. Yeah, I, I mean, that's something I, I suppose I wasn't even aware of. But now that you say it, it's true, isn't it? You can stretch or squash as much as you want with this format. And you can go as surreal as you want. Um, and it still kind of works. Whereas if I went that crazy in one of the written books, I don't think it'd work properly. Also, in, in I mean, this does relate to your written books as well, um, as, as the graphic novel here. Um, choosing the moment to illustrate i'm thinking about the cover um of one of your books i think barry loser and the trouble with pets it's a close-up of a foot about (laughs) about to tread on a giant dog poo you couldn't choose any other moment to illustrate there because the humor lies in the exact moment that you've chosen yeah it's that moment before i think the potential energy gives you the laugh doesn't it because there's a little space for the viewer to complete what's going to happen and that I think that quite often in a joke that's where the laugh comes Mm. where you make that connection when you were starting to work in this medium the the sort of graphic novel what did you discover about the differences in in the way that narrative worked for, for yourself 
I think it was a case of it all being in dialogue rather than any kind of prose. Yeah, exposition is all done in dialogue, which, I don't know, it just speeds it up. You don't have to say, I said, he said. It's all much more direct. Um, There's a lot of dialogue, and I guess from your point of view, trying to fit that into the space that you've got. You know you are, there is quite a lot of restriction, isn't there? Um, Yes, you have to boil down every sentence, Mm. which I always love doing anyway. I like a sort of a snappy slogan. So it's almost making every sentence into a snappy slogan. Let's move on and look at one of the other stories. I've got to get to noses. I think that is the next Uh, story, actually. This is very meta. (laughs) This is a story I've had in my head for ages. I was going to do it as a picture book, um, but I I realised that I could fit it in with this book. So it's Snozzy the Very Naughty Nose. I just love it because, as you've said, your trademark is noses. Yeah, so I thought, (laughs) let's take Barry's Barry's loser's nose off. It Uh, starts with him saying he's renamed his nose Snozzy and how how they're best friends, him and his nose, and they love smelling things together. But the only problem is that Snozzy likes, once again, I brought up dog poo. He likes smelling dog poos. Um, And Barry gets a bit fed up with this, tells Snozzy off and says, no more dog poos for you. And that's where Snozzy decides to jump off Barry's face and run off. Mm. Two little trainers pop out of the nose. So after that, Barry's left without a nose. (laughs) Until he gets a new one. Yes. Did he surprise you what he looked like without his nose? Yeah, I quite liked him, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He he was quite a handsome chap. Yeah, he's quite good looking, isn't he? Yeah. He does get another nose, very different shape. It's a much more more pointy and... Yeah, it's a bit more Madame Nez, it's called. Mm, Yes. Yeah, he finds a a giant nose shop in the middle of Mogden Town, which he's never seen before. And then she's a bit fussier than Snozzy, so she doesn't really like smelling any of the stuff that Barry likes smelling. And a similar problem happens with her, but this time she flies off and he's left with no nose again. Obviously, there are visual techniques that you use that we're used to seeing uh, in comics. You know, when you put little lines around, you know, there's some kind of movement going on there. And I was really interested in this one here where um, it says, meanwhile, and there's a hand going to inside a pocket. Um, And I was just really interested in, you know, how you showed that something actually is inside. You can see inside. Just in case it wasn't clear, I actually wrote inside pocket. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I like is you can do a really blatant cheat just to speed along the story. It's a very Beano kind of thing, isn't it? It is. I think think I'd have got there without it, but it adds to the humour that you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's sort of an Mm. unnecessary extra. Mm. So what you did, you actually created a paler... Color, a less saturated version of the same colour. Yes, to show where the pocket is. And then I did a dotted line around the pocket in a kind of a pocket shape. And then you just yeah. see the hand going in. And I don't know, I always imagine my hand in my pocket sort of looking, it's almost like it's looking around for whatever's in there. Mm. And it's in and there trying to get a little, little thumb sweet. Yeah, little kind of movements so we know that something's going on. But yeah. it's a really clever 
maybe you don't even think about it when you're doing it, but it's such a clever I, way of I didn't think something. that was particularly clever, but I, I now do. Thank it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about the next story. Next story is The Yawn, which is another story a bit like the nose one that I'd had in my head for a while. Um, it's the idea of yawns being con- contagious and someone deciding that their yawn has been stolen and then it's spreading around a whole town. Mm. Well, the, my original idea was that it went all the way around the world and this guy was seeing his yawn on TV. It's like, that's my yawn. <laughs> um, and in this one, it's all set in a Fico's supermarket. So they go there on a Saturday with Barry's mum and Bunky and Nancy come along. And um, I'm not even, I can't even remember who yawns first, whether it's Barry or Bunky, but there's a sort of argument between them over whose yawn it is. And they start seeing the yawns spread around the supermarket and a sort of chase ensues. Well, reading your books is certainly not boring and yawn-inducing. Um, <laughs> and I, I wondered whether you think about your readers as you're creating your books, because they live in a world where there's so much competing for their mm. interest. Um, is that something that interests you when you're yeah, definitely. creating a book? Um, yeah, I probably should have tried to go into TV shows or something, but for some reason I love books and drawing so I know that the competition is tv and youtube and everything so yeah I try to make the books as close to a screen experience as possible so that means yeah lots never for one moment letting it get boring really and um yes just trying to be as kind of as much movement in the drawings as possible and variation Mm -hmm. and my number one rule has always been don't be boring I think it's a good rule it wasn't until I looked at your website where you obviously had this alter ego this Waldo pancake yeah and you said that you found your own name boring and I well yeah and then I thought Oh, maybe it is. I'd not thought of yeah. that before. <laughs> well, it's the most, I can't believe my mum and dad had me and I was a Smith and they thought, oh, let's call him James. <laughs> and I've shortened it to Jim, obviously. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of James or Jim Smiths in the world. There's like Facebook groups and things like that. Uh, but I've actually come to really like it. It's, it's really simple to look at when it's written. The I and the M in Jim looks like the M and the I in Smith. So it's quite a nice looking name. Anyway, Waldo Pancake, there's only one of those, I'm sure. I think so. Have we got another story we have? I think there is another one after that, isn't there? There is. Granny's handbag. Yes, it came from Granny's handbag. So his granny pops round and, well, when my mum comes around, she's always got something for my kid. So Barry's kind of excited to know what it is. And it turns out that she's knitted him a little, or she's like, no, she's made him a little mini Barry loser out of an old sock (laughs) and (laughs) it was a kind of it's the sort of voodoo doll idea so he's got this little mini Barry and then someone mentions this film about a kind of like a voodoo doll and then suddenly Barry's doll disappears I think he decides it's probably Darren stole it and Barry starts to get all the symptoms of a voodoo victim (laughs) (laughs) That's another one of Barry's kind of uh, 
imagination yeah. going a bit wild. One of the things about um, your your panels uh, is they're often quite spare. So there's a lot of dialogue and then probably not that much in terms of background, you know, the mm. character and, and dialogue mainly. But at the beginning of this story, uh, which is about Barry being bored, oh, uh, yeah. you set him in his room and suddenly we've got all the kind of trappings of Barry yeah. uh, around. It looks to me well, like you might have had fun drawing this. Yeah, well, this is that's my kid's room, <laughs> which I know very well. So I just drew it from memory. And I like the idea that Barry's lying there surrounded by all this sort of fun and his thought bubble says, so bored right now. Yeah. And we get the irony of that. And there's even a map of the, I think it's a map of the yes, world. Yep. How can you be bored in this world? I know, you know so that's all these opportunities around him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Jim, I'd love to know a little bit more about whether we're going to have more Barry after this or, or are you going to go back and do more Rat Boy or Super Weird? What's next? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm working on the next one of these, Barry graphic novels. Um, yeah, I, I usually, like, have a little break between books, but I love this so much, I just start, started on the next one <laughs> straight away. And then after that, at the moment, I'm not sure. I'd like to do more graphic novels, if mm. possible. I have to say that I think that this medium really suits you oh, uh, and your work I loved I really loved it and um I think young readers are going to enjoy it too and it's great to see graphic novels being more popular and more visible uh in classrooms in particular from my point of yeah. view yeah and there doesn't need to be a snobbishness around them so I think they are a very kind of basic human way of kind of portraying stories well I think that's a really good point to end a very human way of stories and one which the creator um, enjoys as much as the reader so thank you so much for talking to me today Jim thank you so much in the reading corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes if you have enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review if you would like to find out about other events and courses visit justimagine.co.uk Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.